0: good to see everybody. Sean, it's good to see just how God's at work in your life. Um, Yeah. All right. So on that trunk or treat date coming up on October 30th, okay, that's we invite the community to come come by and we have hot dogs and chips and games and then a trunk or treat for the kids. So we decorate our cars. You guys know what a trunk or treat is? So we want some cars and then we'll want to man the, the prayer tent. So we are a church. I mean, they're coming for candy, but hey, while you're here, can we pray for you? We wanna run the prayer tent. And so we'll have some signups to come on that, but it's an opportunity for us to interact with our community. Okay, and so sometimes we don't we don't have those very much, and so we want to definitely take advantage of that. So so schedules and, and such to come on that. Um, if you missed last week, we commissioned our Bible studies last week. So we've got the men's Bible study here at Midtown. We've got the women's Bible study with Christine. We've got our couples Bible study, and we've got the Panera Bread Bible study. Okay, so. And that may be down south, right, Gail? Yeah. Is that going to move down here? Yeah, so we, so we ch- gave a charge to our Bible study leaders. We commissioned our Bible studies. It is official under the spiritual authority and the, the umbrella that, that comes with that. We're going we're gonna to get outside the four walls and reach our communities with these evangelical Bible studies. And so we did that last week. And if you missed that, You might want to take a look at that. So turn to 1 John chapter 2, actually, just by way of review. Last week, we talked about the fact that you live somewhere physically. That's really easy to understand. I could go to your physical address. I could find your house, and that would be where you stay. That's your abode we, we don't use that word, but, but it, you abide in your abode, you stay in your house, and so that's easy to understand physically. Spiritually, we also have a place where we abide, but we're two places spiritually. We, we have actually our physical reality. We are here at 3953 Walnut this morning, but we are also seated together in heavenly places when the eternal God came into time space, and we were born again, we entered, you have present tense eternal life. So Ephesians says it this way, we are seated together in heavenly places. And so even though we're here, we're also seated in heavenly places. Now, which one of those is your home? In which of those places do you focus? Where do you have your abode? We talked about that. And part of the message really maybe one of the major themes of first john is you need to abide where you live spiritually and don't worry so much about where you live physically so so that's what we looked at that last week now this week we are in first john chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 so get eyeballs on that with me this is what we read purifies himself, even as he is pure. So Lord, help us to get what we need. Amen. Okay, so this week builds on last week. So last week, we finished with verses 28 and 29 of chapter two. And now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So if you were here, you heard that. If not, that's where we're at we need so we're going to be building upon abiding in him and being mindful of his return okay so the context the theme of first john is what fellowship okay so how's that going for you how's your fellowship with god and with god's people good bad shelly's like super happy because she's because she's recovered from COVID, praise the Lord. She's back with us, right? Um, okay, but, but seriously, how, how is your fellowship going? Are, are you doing well, maintaining that fellowship, abiding? So, so we can break it down this way. Okay, on a scale of one to 10, how's your fellowship with God? Where are you at? Five, two, three, eight. You don't have to answer out loud nine. nine. We've got a nine, nine, and ten, 10, 10, 10, 10, OK, nine and a half. All right, so he gets the spiritual parking lot, which parking spot, which is two blocks away. OK, no, so no. And how's your fellowship with each other? How's your fellowship with each other? Are you managing to find fellowship? Because that's what First John says, fellowship with God and fellowship with each other, right? Okay, here's the reality of it. Some people do better than others. Did you notice that? Some people do better than others with fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Well, okay, so this week, we will see nothing less in this passage than the solution for those that struggle with fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. We'll see what we, why is it that some people, they just, like, we'll say this, we'll be like, man, that guy got saved good. Like, there is something special about his salvation that, but but this person seems to be on fire for the Lord, to have fellowship with God, to be focused on spiritual things. And and then others just struggle all the time with everything. And it's not that there's not a desire maybe at some level to do right, but I I don't know. I think we need to see these things this morning. And if you don't need it for yourself, you're going to be counseling people that do need it. So let's, let's tune in and let's just see if we can get what we need to get out of that. You guys ready? Okay, so verse one, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us, okay, that we should be called the sons of God. And so what we see here, what this is saying is, hey, behold, check this out. Look at this, you guys, this is something worth your attention. The manner of God, the manner of love, sorry, that was required on God's part so that you could be called the Son of God. So here's the first question. What did it take for you to be called the Son of God?: It took you being saved to... okay, wh- how'd that come about? Oh Jesus, wait, and who's Jesus? God? God who put on. Okay, wait a minute. That Jesus that we read about in Scripture, He did that so that you could be called the Son of God. Whoa! Did, one thing that strikes me about this verse: it doesn't say, "Behold, you got saved," because that's how we think. We're like, "I got saved." That's the you know the center point of all of human history. The day I got. No, no, no. Behold the manner of love look at what god was willing to do so that you could become his son and this is such amazing love look, okay so so look farther down in this chapter at verse 16 1 john three just look down a few verses to 16 hereby perceive we the love of god because he laid down his life for us okay look at look at first john four verse nine In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. You know what? That's pretty great love. You guys know John 3, 16, for God so loved, this is how much he loved that he He sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I talk about parental love sometimes. As a father, man, I would do anything for my kids. I would take their sickness upon myself. I, I would die for them. If, they, if my kid needed a heart transplant, I'd, I'd give them my heart. I'd do anything for my kids. That parental love, and sometimes I'll say, I can understand the love of God a little better because I love my kids like that. But actually, okay, God went, way farther than that because he he actually gave his son so I'm saying I would do anything for my son and God's like yeah well I actually gave my son for you and and you weren't actually in my family at the time that I did that here's what Romans says it says for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly so God didn't say, I'll just do anything for my son. He said, I'll give my son for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you think about it, okay, if you think about it, Jesus Christ, nothing was created that was not created through Christ. He, he He's the creator, okay, and he came to his creation as humbly as you can imagine, and he came to his creation for their sake that they might have light, that they might have love, that they might become the sons of God, and his creation that he came to save rejected him, did not receive him, crucified him on a cross, okay, okay. I don't, that's, that's a lot of love. Behold what manner of love. Look at what God did so that we could be called the sons of God. And it's a love that it's worth beholding. That's like, behold, like, listen, you guys, you've got to see this. You can't imagine this type of love. And if you didn't read about it in scripture and you didn't receive Christ as a recipient, of God's great love, you could never even comprehend it. It is worth looking at. Is it, you guys under, You guys see what I'm saying? What did it take for you to get saved? Oh, man, let me tell you the manner of love. Okay, never let anyone redefine Christianity so as to diminish the sacrificial love of God. Christianity is one of the five major religions, and it's monotheistic, even though it's Trinitarian in nature. And your Western Civ teacher will go through and, and talk about Christianity like that. Okay, well, that's that's true, but that puts me to sleep. That does not actually make me say, Behold, that doesn't make me excited. It's not so Christianity can be presented from a philosophical, from a religious from a historical perspective, which actually takes away from the miraculous love of God through Christ. Never let anyone redefine Christianity so that it's not exciting. It's not worth beholding. You guys, it's not primarily intellectual and it's not primarily historic. It's it's, It's the love of God and you can't imagine that kind of love Unless you've actually read about it in Scripture, received it, and experienced it. Okay, the the verse here continues. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. So the sons of God is actually the theme moving forward here. Colon, therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Okay, now, this is obvious. I'm just going to say it anyway. The world does not know what to make of Christians. Okay, we're weird. We'll go places and someone will say something and Christine doesn't even know she's doing it. She'll say, praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And people are like, what? And like, that's weird. Why do, you, why do you talk that way? And she doesn't even know that it's weird to them. Why do you, why are you, why do you guys come here on Sunday morning? This is, the, this is like sleep-in day. Right? Why do you want to come here and sing old songs and pray and clap and and we Christians are weird to the lost world. Anyone lived outside of Christianity and and Christians were really weird to you for a while. I mean, we are. I mean, you're weird, maybe anyway. But I mean, I'm not talking about your inherent weirdness. I'm, I'm talking about. The lost world looks at Christians and they don't know what to make of us. And the reason why is because we are the sons of God. I'm not going to go here, but if you look at the gospel of John, chapters 15, 16, and 17, what you'll see is they didn't know him. They didn't receive him. They didn't love him. They didn't serve him. They're not going to know us. They're not going to love us. We're going to be at best weird and and in a lot of other cultures it's going to bring great persecution which we've luckily uh maybe luckily not been a part of here in our culture but but because we are sons of god we're kind of a mystery to the world verse two says beloved which is just amazing when god wants to talk to you he says hey beloved oh my goodness now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, now, just to contextualize real quick, if you haven't been part of, uh, of our study so far, first, John is all about fellowship with God. And fellowship with God works like this. Hey, you know how God thinks? That's how you ought to think hey, you know how God loved? That's how you ought to love. You know how God walks in the light? You ought to walk in the light because that's how you have fellowship with him. That's where he's at. If you want fellowship with God, just think how he thinks, live how, how he lived and, and that sort of a thing. And we can see that in some of these verses. Look at 1 John 1, 7, just back a page. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin look at first john 2 6 he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked chapter 2 verse 29 if you know that he's righteous you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him in other words if you want fellowship with him walk how you need to be like christ in order to have fellowship with christ okay now i'm just generalizing all that right now What is true of us spiritually, it's our standing, should be evident practically, that is our state. Now, what John is saying here in this verse is that spiritual reality, that you are a, a son of God, oh, that's not evident yet. You still kind of physically look like everyone else. You still should probably take a shower every few days, right? You, you're the son of God with all the rights, the authority, the inheritance, the family position, the responsibilities of it. You don't look any different to me than before you got saved. What are you talking about? You're the son of God. Mm. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Look, God started this work on the inside. I've got a glorious body, sort of. On the outside, not so much, but when he returns, okay, this is the point that's being made in this verse. When uh, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see Jesus at his appearing. We shall see him as he is. So Jesus is coming back, okay, and we're going to see him at that time, and we're going to see him as he is, and I would say this is probably one of the most important points of this morning, is how do you see Jesus? And how you see him kind of affects how well you're going to do in terms of fellowship. Okay, so, so let's look at some, some verses here. Turn to Revelation chapter 1 with me. Because we need to see Jesus, right? You know how Ricky Bobby saw Jesus? Little baby Jesus in his manger with his gold fleeced, little diapers. So Ricky Bobby's praying to little baby Jesus in his gold, because he likes that version of Jesus. All the spiritual people have no idea what I'm talking about. And all you carnal people, you're like, that's funny. So you just identified yourself right there, all, all you people. Okay, John is in the spirit on the Lord's day. Okay, look at verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. And he goes through and he talks about this in chapter 12. John turns around to see who's talking to him. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And he talks about the description that he sees of Jesus Christ. Okay, verse 17. And when I saw him, what happened? I fell at his feet as dead. When he saw Christ for who he is, he fell down as dead and Christ had to come. And with his right hand, strengthen him. And basically, tell John, it's okay. It's me. I am I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Look, look with me at some other verses. Isaiah chapter six, verse one. In the year that King Zedekiah died, I, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then I said, woe is me, for I am undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have what? Seen. When when John saw Jesus for who he is, he fell down as dead. When Isaiah sees Jesus for who he is, the Lord of hosts, he falls down. I'm undone. Woe is me, he says. Okay, so Job, you guys know the story of Job. Job. Job went through it. I would never want to have to go through the stuff that Job went through. And halfway through the book in Job 23, Job complains. And, and he says, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, talking about God, that I might come to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments he says, if I could just come before God, I would make my complaints. I would make my arguments before God. Okay, Job actually gets that chance. And, and, and God's like, hey, Job, here I am. You, you, you had something you wanted to say. Here, here I am. And here's what Job says. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is what actually Job said to God when he not just heard the words of God, but when he, when he saw him. So listen, how we see the Lord influences how we see ourselves. And if we have a low estimation of who God is, we're going to tend to have a relatively higher estimation of ourselves. And, and the error is, is we don't know what scripture says about who God is. And, and therefore, I'm just going to picture Jesus as a bigger, better version of myself. And then I'm not going to have the right attitude. Okay, when we see him, look at verse 2 again in First in John chapter 3. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So two things on this real quick, doctrinally. At the rapture, we do get a glorified body. When we see him, we will be like him. We will get a glorified body. First Corinthians chapter 15. Okay, tells us that. We have Philippians chapter 3, 21, and 1 Thessalonians 4:13. We're going to look at a couple of these verses. First Corinthians 15. 50 through 53 now this i say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god neither doth corruption inherit incorruption so speaking of the resurrection paul teaches behold i sho- i show you a mystery we shall not all sleep that's speaking of death but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound the dead in christ shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed For this corruption, speaking of our current physical bodies, must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. You can read about all of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21. For our conversation, that is our lifestyle that reflects our citizenship. Okay, so we ate Egyptian breakfast this morning. Okay, you have American citizenship? Lois. Next year, okay. So our breakfast reflected your Egyptian citizenship. Okay, that's what that's what this word conversation in your King James Bible means. It's your lifestyle that reflects your citizenship. So our citizenship is in heaven, and our lifestyle should reflect that. That's what it's talking about. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's what we're talking about. Doctrinally speaking, you get a glorified body, praise the Lord. You're old enough to have back aches and knee aches and, and whatever else, aches, right? That's God just telling you, you're not going to live forever, okay? But there is a glorified body that's coming. Now, that's that's doctrinally. You can also read First Thessalonians 4 and read about, the rapture but one thing that god really just put on my heart and mind this week is not the doctrinal application of the scripture but more of an inspirational application of this and it goes like this just like job just like isaiah we will shape up we'll behave ourselves better at at his presence okay When the boss is in the room, people work a little harder. They stay focused. They're not being lazy. They're not being so flippant, right? Well, when the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne and you're in the throne room, that kind of affects your behavior. So if Jesus Christ bodily walked in and we all fell down as, as dead at his presence, and then he helped us and strengthened us so that we could sit back up, guess what? We would be on our best behavior. I I would not be daydreaming. I would not be lazy. I would not be joking like we amen. Okay, reread this verse with me. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Okay, you see the inspirational or personal application to that? I saw him high and lifted up, and that affected how I lived because I see him for who he is. Oh, and I know he's coming. I know, I know he's going to be appearing soon. So that affects how I live my life. Now, do you okay? This this leads us to the, the last verse here, verse three. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself. Even as he is pure. Now remember, biblically, hope isn't an uncertainty; it's not a doubtful uncertainty about the future. Okay, it's actually a confident—it's confidence in what God has said. It's a confident certainty of the future. Now we don't know everything in the future, but we know we we have confidence in what we know what God has said. So hope in the Bible isn't doubtless speculation; It's, it's confidence in what God has said. Okay, so every man that hath this hope in himself in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. If Jesus is in the room bodily, you're all very pure. I mean, any sin you're confessing right off. All right, before he has you stand up in front of everybody. Like, oh no, I'm my thoughts are pure, my life is pure. I would have never been more pure, except Okay. He's coming, and we see him for who he is, that makes us want to purify ourselves. Does this make sense? You guys are following me on this? Okay. So our motivation is hope in his return and seeing him as he is. Now there is a purification process process that I want to look at. So I don't want to just leave us knowing we should be purifying ourselves because we're hoping in his return and we're seeing him for who he is because you got to know how to do that. So this is how we do that. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, this is what we read. Now, the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Praise the Lord. We're not under the law. We're not like Moses who had to be under the law. And and, in 2 Corinthians, that passage talked about how Moses had to put that veil on his face because Moses went and spent time with God and he was so shiny that the people couldn't stand to look at him, okay? So he had to put a veil on his face and Paul's saying, look, it's like that with us. We, But here's how it works for us. We all, with an open face, okay? I'd make a COVID mask joke if it wasn't such a topic. Okay, so we with an open face, I'm not talking about you, Phyllis, Okay or violet i'm not saying that okay we with an open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord And i forgot i was going to bring a mirror i forgot but but it, the glass is talking about a mirror so it's like if i if i hold up a mirror and i'm looking into that mirror you can imagine you're looking into a mirror and this is what it says With an open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. So I look into the mirror and I don't just see my reflection. I see the glory of the Lord, but then I see also my reflection because it's a mirror. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Okay, so let me just explain real quick. The glass it's talking about is your Bible. The glass is your Bible. How do we know that? Well, we know that because James chapter one. There's only three passages in your New Testament that talk about a glass and they're all referring to scripture, okay? So be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face and a glass. We're talking about the word and we're talking about the glass, the same context, the same thing. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway, forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, if you remember that previous passage, it was talking about the liberty and the spirit. Okay, The perfect law of liberty, same context, the word, the doer of the word, the glass, the law of liberty, these are synonyms. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So the the glass is the the word of God. And so I look in here, and if you think about it, you can find Christ. This is how we know about him. This is also how we know about ourselves. The word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, even to the dividing of sunder, to the It divides the thoughts and the intents of my heart. I can read about myself in this book. I can read about Jesus in this book, and I can compare and contrast myself. Okay, and this is what all of this is talking about. We're changed from glory to glory. You you start becoming Christ-like over time as we're conformed to the image of Christ until we get to that point where... We've put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Where did you, what knowledge of what? What's God's word? This is our glass that we look into. We see Christ, but we also see ourselves. All right, the image of Christ. Okay. And then finally, just to tie all this together, the last point under verse three is, don't forget the context is fellowship. The context of this passage has not changed in 1 John. So just as I will behave myself in his presence then, if I have fellowship with him, if I am abiding with him, okay, where is Jesus not present? If I'm going to behave in his presence then, if I'll be like him when I see him for as he is, shouldn't I be like him? knowing that he's present with me now? Shouldn't I live now like I'm gonna live then? And at his returning, won't it be that much better if I would have been doing that? Okay, so you guys, this is the message for today. If you see him for who he is and you know he's coming back and you know he's with you now and we have that fellowship and we need to, that's why some people do well. They see him for who he is. They know that he's present with them, okay? But they also just keep in in mind, there's a day coming when our faith will become sight. And however, whatever level of fellowship we have now, that's going to carry forward. And we're going to deal with all that at the judgment seat of Christ. Now is what goes in the blank there. So here's what I want to do. I've got some small group discussion questions. We're going to break up into our small groups. We'll do ladies groups, can get organized back here. We'll do couples groups can get organized up here and men's groups can get organized back there. We're going to break up into our groups, just work through these, these different small group uh, questions that I've given you in, in terms of getting going on some conversations, responding to the message today, but we'll break up and then I will close us out, just dismiss us at five after. So Lord, help us to to have fellowship lord help us to see you for who you are and to keep in mind uh you're returning god we we want to do well but if we don't see you for who you are we're not going to see ourselves for who we are we won't even know what to fix god we want to look into your perfect law of liberty we don't want to be like job who says well i i heard it but, but I really never saw Christ. I never saw you. And it wasn't until I saw you for who you are that I humbled myself. And, and so God, we could do the same thing. We could go to services, we can hear the preaching, but we never really see you for who you are. And so God, we never really actually get right. So Lord, I just pray for us, help us to see you for who you are, to keep in mind your return and help us to live accordingly. We love you, thank you in Jesus' name, amen.